we got to go to the Lord in prayer after that. Father God, what can we say? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is definitely something about that name, about that person, about our Savior, our Master. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but Jesus is forever. Salvation is true and real. Father God, we thank you that you have given him a name above all names. A name and a person that at one time every knee and every mouth shall bow and confess that he is Lord. I always say in preaching that one day you will confess Jesus, but it won't matter. It'll be too late then. Right now is your opportunity to confess him as Lord and Savior and have him enter your life and save you. But one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We thank you, Father, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us that stirs our heart just at the sound of Jesus' name. The sound that makes kingdoms tremble, makes devils run, makes the, shakes the foundation of the earth. We thank you tonight, Father, that we have the privilege of being in your house. We have the privilege of continuing our walk this day with Jesus. I pray, Father, tonight that you would open our hearts and our ears and our lives as we are studying these red letters. These words of instruction, inspiration, and direction that Jesus left with his disciples. And as we're going to find out as we get into chapter 17, he prays and talks about for us, his disciples today. I thank you, Father, that not just the red letters, but every word of your Bible is alive and real and just as relevant today as when it was originally inspired and given to those that put it on paper and recorded it. I pray, Father, again tonight that we would open our hearts, receive your word. And I just want to be in the presence of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So God, thank you for joy and peace. Thank you for all you do as I pray these things in Jesus, my precious Savior's name, and amen. Tonight, if you would open your Bibles with me, we are going to continue our journey through John chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be looking tonight at verses 12 through 14 of chapter 14. So again, John chapter 14. Verses 12 through 14, okay? We're adjusting. We have a new, uh, different setup on the mic. You notice we have the lapel instead of the earpiece, so Wayne's back there making adjustments on the sound, so hopefully everybody is hearing okay, um, and so we'll make our way through things tonight. You know, as we have been looking at this portion of Scripture, which is where I felt God wanted us to go, I've never really taught through these chapters in order like we're doing, looking at what God told me was Jesus' divine marching orders. And, you know, you think about again as Jesus was fixing to leave this earth. I, I am so fascinated when I look at those disciples to think about the people that Jesus chose to carry on. Has anybody seen A.D., the, this miniseries? Remember the Bible that came out and then A.D. was the continuation? I've been watching it, and I'm really fascinated to see some of the, the things there just on picture and motion picture and in video there to see, just kind of think about what was going on, to see the dynamics that were happening. And Jesus, as he knew what was about to transpire, you know, you think again, he's got to prepare these men, this ragtag bunch, amen? Yeah. You know, and you look at that stuff and you go, wow, well, if Jesus can use them, he can use you, amen? I have something. I really wasn't going to share this tonight. I love this. I share this numerous times, and I just happened to find it the other day. And just as a reminder of what God can do and who God can use. I'm glad God uses imperfect people. If God required perfect people, 
there'd be no church. All right? There's no perfect people, right? So we look in the Bible, it says, when, God, when, God, when you say God cannot use me, the next time you think about that, just remember something. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac, he was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. I don't like this one, but Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Right? Uh, Peter, a lot of things we can say about Peter, right? But Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha, she worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And guess what? Lazarus was dead. So when you think about and the old devil tries to tell you, who do you think you are? What can God do with you? Well, I think God can do a whole lot with people that will allow Him and submit to Him. And so Jesus took these disciples that He had gathered together. I just can't even imagine spending time with Jesus, right? I mean, to be there with Jesus at His feet, to walk with Him, to talk with Him. I mean, how wonderful that was. And I can't wait to get to heaven and experience that. And so Jesus, as He takes these final few moments in this time that He has to talk to His disciples, I'm going to go ahead and read these three verses we're going to talk about tonight. It says in verse 12 of, again, John chapter 14, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto My Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You think about Jesus again as he is trying to get a message across to the disciples, as he's trying to give them that final kind of motivational speech to finish up and sum up what his ministry has been all about and what the objective is and where they go from here. And Jesus, again, as we looked at the very beginning of John 14, reminded them that they're not going to be forgotten, that Jesus will never, ever forget us. Just because He's not physically with them anymore, He is always going to be there for them. But God tells us that He never changes. The Bible tells us that God will never leave us, never forsake us. That's a great promise, right? It doesn't matter if we are down in the valley, if we're in the gutter, if we are completely down and out. I still have God, amen? He's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me, never going to turn His back on me. Now, I might turn my back on Him. I'm so glad that God is continually a God of another chance. God never stops. God never stops loving us, caring for us. And Jesus reminded the disciples that I'm just going to continue what I've started. I've got to go and to prepare a place for you. I've got to go to make a place for you. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And where I'm going, I will come again to receive you, that there you will be with me forever. And that's that great promise that we have to live in, right? That great promise that when things get tough, I know that it's worth it because I know what's at the end. God has given me a guaranteed end, a great retirement plan with God, right? I know that I've got that mansion just over the hilltop. And even if it's a shack, I don't care. 
I just want to be as close to Jesus as I can possibly be. And so as we go through life, we keep focused on that. And as Jesus began to kind of lay out for the disciples what was going to happen, he encouraged them by saying, I am not leaving you. I'm not forgetting you. I'm just going on to the next step. I'm going to the next part of the journey. And I'm going to come back. And that's the promise that we still live in today. We know that whether it's in the rapture or when we close our eyes in death, guys, I tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to open my eyes up and see Jesus. I'm going to open my eyes and see Jesus. Either I close them in death or when the trumpet sounds. How great and glorious that is going to be. And that's the promise that he began this instruction with. And then we looked last week and talked about the relationship that we have. He explained to him how he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I took you back to Genesis and showed you how God is all about a relationship. That's why we can sing the song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. God is not an impersonal force out in the universe somewhere doing random things. God is a personal, loving, creator God that desires a personal walk and relationship with us. And God, through Jesus Christ, revealed Himself in the flesh and dwelt and walked among men. What a great revelation to recognize that Jesus was that reconnection bringing us and reconciling us with the Father. And so the greatest thing that we see is that restoration of that personal relationship. If you go back and you look in the Old Testament, um, they did not have, and, and that's why I talk about, there's several things that we have an advantage of in our generation in this dispensation of time. Number one, as I've said repeatedly, is this right here, folks. This is the completed scriptures. There's nothing left that God needs to write. We have everything we need right here. It's not like from Malachi to the New Testament where there's a period of silence. There's a period of silence, but that's because there's nothing more to be said. God has revealed everything here to us. And also the advantage that we have, which we're going to talk about soon. I'm not sure if we're going to get to it next time or when we'll get to it, um, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling of God in our life. They didn't have that as a continual relationship in the Old Testament. You read about God's Spirit coming and going upon people. God's Spirit is in us continuously. There to guide us, to lead us, to instruct us. So many things. If you look through the next couple of chapters, there's so much that Jesus talks about with this Spirit. The power that we need to make it through what is about to come. That's what He's preparing the disciples for. But what He prepares them for tonight in these three verses is He reminds them of what's going to happen, of what the potential is. I love God in a lot of reasons, but I love God because you understand something. God is not a God of discouragement. God's not a God of discouragement. God will never, ever discourage you. God will never come to you and go, look at you, you've messed up again. What do you want me to do with you now? God is an encourager. God is an encourager. God is not a God. He, he's not a pessimist. He's an optimist. Right? And God looks at you and He sees the potential. God looks at the world and He sees the potential. God looks at that lost, wandering soul out there and He sees the desire to have them to come unto Him and to be His child and to accept Christ. God always sees the good. God always sees the potential that is in us and it discourages Him because He understands that we could do so much more, but we hold ourselves back. 
And so God is an encourager. And that's what Jesus is going to say right here when He talks about the works. He's, he's wanting to encourage the disciples of what the potential is. It ain't going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And there's going to be great mountaintop experiences, and it's going to be worth it, and you're going to do so many great and wonderful things through God. And He talks to him about prayer. And so tonight as we look at that, if you look beginning there in verse 12, He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Understanding something, that again, Jesus is setting up the destination. He's telling us about the power and the vehicle that we're going to take for the trip. One of my favorite things to say is, Jesus is the answer. Now, what's the question? I'm not downplaying the question, but it doesn't matter what your question, concern, your fear, or anything is. Jesus is the answer. And He reminds us that He is going to go to the Father, and greater works are we going to do. You think about that, and I ask you this, what is God capable of doing? Anything, right? We just have a problem because we put God in a box. We say, this is all God can do. Well, if that's all you believe God can do, guess what? That's all God can do for you. I want to see what I can't do, and I want to see what only God can do. Amen? That's when the vision really begins to come into a people, is when you stop looking at what you can do, and you start looking at, well, what can God do? One thing I like to say is, what can God not do? One of my favorite things to say is, learn. God cannot learn. Go back to Moses. Moses tried to tell God that he couldn't do some things, right? I can't do that, God. Well, why can't you? Well, I can't speak. Yeah, you can. I can't do this. Who am I? Who, who shall I say sent me? God goes, listen, I'll take care of all that. Just trust me. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen? God made us. And God can't learn. And so, so many times we're busy telling God what we can't do and trying to help God understand what he doesn't know about us that we know. And God's like, I, I know all that. I still love you. I still love you. And so Jesus promises here about the greater works. And I want to remind you of something. When you look at that, he says there, the important thing is, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Anybody remember Amway? Oh man, Amway was a pyramid thing, wasn't it, right? You just try to build people... We're kind of doing the same thing. We're building believers and disciples and we're expanding out. And when Jesus talks about greater works, you know, what's the greatest work that can be done? A lost soul being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and made white as snow in his eyes. Salvation is the greatest work that we could ever see. You know, we think about that and we're like, wow, you know, if only I could heal people and if only I could do this and if only I could do that, how wonderful that would be. It's interesting to me because you ask, look at the disciples. Do you remember what they asked Jesus to teach them? How to pray. Didn't say, teach us to do those miracles, God. You know, teach us to do this, Jesus. They said, no, no, no. I mean, it'd be great to be able to multiply bread and loaves and fishes, wouldn't it? I'd like to be able to multiply that fried chicken from lunch today and make more out of it, right? And always have an abundant supply of fried chicken available, right? That desserts, right? But they said, teach us to pray. That's where the power really was. But the greater works. Jesus was saying, you know, when I'm here in the flesh, I can only be in one place. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to sit down at the right hand of God, and I'm going to be able to affect everyone. 
I'm going to be able to multiply my effect in the world. I'm going to be able to go out and to reach and to touch so many more people. It's expedient. That's what he's going to get into in the next chapter. I need to go away so that the next thing can come in, so the next step can kick in, the next step of the process, the next page that can be turned. And he says, just understand though, just believe in me. Keep your faith in me. Keep your trust in me. Because again, that's the stipulation right there in verse 12. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Understand and know, it doesn't matter what God has done in your past, God can do even more in your future. Amen? That's what I look forward to. God, what is the future? What can you do? I, I, I want to be in awe of God each and every day. I want to wake up each day and go, God, impress me. God, use me. God, do things that I can't do. I think one of the big challenges we have as Christians is we continually look at us. What can I do? And we should look at what can I do for God, but then let God do what He can through you. How wonderful that is when God uses you and you see those great and greater works come to pass. And Jesus promises that to us. If you just believe in Him and hold on to Him and trust Him, greater works than these shall He do, because I go unto the Father. Now the next two verses, He talks about prayer. If you look there in verses 13 and 14, He says, Whatsoever ye shall ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in My name, I will do it. I want you to underline something if you have not, and that is the key to all of this. It is right there in verse 13, that the Father may be glorified. That the Father may be glorified. When you set God up to receive the honor and the glory, God's going to show up. God's going to show up. That's why you hear me all the time, and I mean it sincerely, folks. I appreciate when people say great sermon. I, I do. I appreciate that. But I want you to know it ain't me. And that's why one of the things you hear me say all the time is give God the glory. Give God the glory. Because I want Him to be glorified. I know in my life that if I decrease and let Him increase, <laughs> great things are going to happen. If I increase, it's going to be only what I can do. And I don't want to know. I know what I can do, and that's very little. I want to see what God can do. And so I want to take a backstage, and I, I want God to get the spotlight. I've told churches and people over and over and over, I don't care, Wayne, if you mess my name up. Just remember the Jesus I talk about. By the way, everybody keeps asking me, I'm just Greg. Pastor Greg, Brother Greg, it doesn't matter. Okay, Gregory is my official name, and I don't use that. Uh, and especially if I'm in trouble, Mom would just kind of be Gregory to get the O out of the way. But you can just call me Greg. But I always say it doesn't matter. I don't care if you know my name. I don't care if you remember me. Just remember Jesus that I talk about. And in our life, that's the way it should be. We should leave a Jesus mark on people as we interact with them, shouldn't we? That people walk away and go, man, something different about them. It's Jesus. Jesus makes me different, makes you different. But I'm telling you right there that if we set God up to receive the honor and glory for what He does, God's going to begin to do some great things. If we try to get the honor and glory... God says, you've had it. You're done. You've got your re reward. I mean, Wayne was talking about that in our, in our lesson just a moment ago. You know, in the temple going, oh, God, look at me. How great I am. Thank you that I'm not like these others. I know you're going to hear my prayer. And God says, I don't hear your prayer. You've got your glory. You've got your praise. 
But when you set God up to receive honor and glory, great things are going to happen. And that's the lesson that Jesus is reminding them there, that, that the Father may be glorified. Whatsoever you should ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Not that you should be you know, glorified, not that you're going to be built up, but that God would receive the glory for what happens. Again, I, I want to see what God can do. I don't want to know what I can do because I'm limited. I want the unlimited potential to see what God can do in and through my life and with me each day. If you look there, he talks more about prayer. I want you to look at a couple of things with me. Um, he says there, if you ask, shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. He says in verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So that's one of the reasons, bottom line, in case you didn't know it, we always close our prayers with what? In Jesus' name, amen. Again, you will notice a little twist on that because I started doing something years ago. In the name of Jesus, my Savior, amen. It's almost like that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, he's personal to me. I'm not just calling out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached and who some of the, He's my Jesus, amen. He's my Jesus. In the name of my Jesus, in the name of my Savior, I pray. Amen. You think about that answer there, and you think about what that means in our prayer life. I want you to go back to um, Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. So Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. In Matthew 21, 21 and 22. This is right after the barren fig tree that he talks about, and Jesus is giving a, uh, a parable, or you know, a, equating that to the disciples and explaining to them about what that means. Again, Matthew 21, verses 21 through 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. When we think about prayer, you know, the key there is, how many times have you heard the phrase, faith believing? I pray in faith believing. I can go to bed tonight and say, God, I pray that you give me a million dollars. I don't believe God's going to do it. And part of the reason there is because I'm in tune with God and I know that that's not what I need in my life. I need more of God, not more of the world. And so I don't believe that prayer. When I share the uh, salvation plan with especially children, one of the things I'll do when I'm, I'm sharing Jesus with a child is I'll try to explain to them about the prayer and about being sincere. I said, it's like this. I could say it's, it's snowing outside. I said the words, but I don't believe them, and I know it's not true. I almost wish it was snowing outside, to be honest with you. And that's how I kind of explain that to children. And I explain that to adults as well. You know, that when we say the sinner's prayer, the words don't save us. It's what comes from our heart. And it's the same thing in any prayer that we pray to God. It's not about the words we use. It's about the heart and where they come from. And so when we talk about faith believing, God, Jesus is not saying here that he will answer every want that we have in our life. But bottom line, you do know that God does answer every prayer, right? Yes, no, or later. Right? I mean, God does answer. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. A lot of times God might say no. It's like mommy and daddy, right? They always gave an answer when you ask for something. Yes, no, or go ask mom. 
right? But God doesn't do that part. But God answers every prayer. And so when Jesus says here, we can't grab onto this, and this is kind of like where people twist things in the Bible and, you know, the seed faith and the prosperity gospel and those kind of false doctrines that get spread out there in the world, is here we have this, oh, well, Jesus says if you ask anything in His name, He'll do it. I think the Bible says also don't tempt God. Hey, Jesus, I need this. Jesus does also promise that God will always supply our needs. And He'll give us a lot of our wants, too, but not all of them. And I don't know about you, but the things that I want, I find out when I get them, or I find out if I don't get them, I didn't really need them after all. Amen? You know, that's what we find out after that's done. My wife says I have a hobby of the month, and I have a lot of collection of things that I'm like, oh, yeah, I need that. That's going to be great. Eh, never touch it again. So not as bad now as I used to be, right? Oh, she's still waving her head. Okay. So there's where Jesus says about, and that's where we get. So first of all, this is where Jesus says, ask in my name. That's why we say in Jesus' name, amen. And then here we see about the faith believing. He says, if you believe, you will receive. You know, it goes back to, again, if you, you know, ask and receive, knock, it'll be open unto you, you know, the things that Jesus teaches us. And this is one there as well. Now, the other scripture I want you to go to is pretty close to where we were. Go to John 15, 7. John 15, 7. So we have ask in Jesus' name, we have faith believing, what we're asking for, that He will answer. And then, of course, we see here in John 15, 7, another piece to answered prayer. He says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So again, the stipulation here, and this is, of course, where we're going to get to in chapter 15, about Jesus being the true vine. But He says, If you abide in Him, To me, that means if you walk in His will, if you walk with Jesus, if you serve Jesus, if you abide with Him, if you walk and do as He'd have you do. Now, first of all, if you do that, there's going to be a change of your mind. There's going to be a renewing of your mind. There's going to be a cleansing of your spirit. There's going to be a refocus on what really matters in your life. And so that's when Jesus says, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you if you allow His Word to take root and to grow and to guide your life. Guess what? You're going to have the mind of Christ and you're going to want what Christ wants. And of course He's going to answer those prayers. And so that's the guidance that we have in Jesus here in getting our prayers to be answered. And a lot of it is, and this is why I always say about prayer, you understand prayer is two-way communication with God. Prayer is not just us crying out to God and giving Him our list of wants and needs. But prayer is saying, God, what can I do for you? God, what what would you have me to learn today? I look at life a lot of times and go, man, what can I learn from that? I always tell people, I've been in management since I was 19 years old, and and I tell employees this all the time and, and people that work for me. The only bad mistake is one you don't learn from. Seriously. Because I've learned a lot from mistakes. How about you? Don't do that again. Right? So the only bad mistake is one that you don't learn from. There's a message that I preached before about Peter. When did Peter disappoint Jesus? People say, well, when he denied him. No. Jesus knew he was going to do that. I think it was his, re- his rebellion or his, his refusal to accept what was going to happen. And we disappoint Jesus when we 
Don't try. We disappoint Jesus when we let excuses stop us from doing something. We disappoint Jesus when we don't trust Him. Peter should have distrusted Jesus all along. He had to learn that, though. He had to learn that. And so in our life, we've got to learn. And mistakes, as long as we learn from them, they're not the end of the world. But Jesus here reminding us that if you abide in Him, and the bottom line is in verse 7 there of chapter 15, obedience brings answered prayer. Obedience brings answered prayer. When we're in obedience to Christ, our prayers are going to be the prayers that get answered. Because they're going to be from His heart and from His mind and what He desires. You think about Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. I think about that one a lot. Jesus in the garden prayed, Father, if there be any way for this cup to pass from me, but nevertheless, thy will be done. Submission. You know, submission is such a key part to prayer. God, I I really want this, but you know what? I submit to you and what you want. It's okay to tell God what we want. It's okay to tell God what we need and to speak to God. Listen, God's real, man. I told you when Jessica had her issue as a, as a toddler with, you know, the virus she had and couldn't eat and just cried, and I was so helpless. I cried out to God. When I had those chicken pox at 29 years old or whatever it was, I cried out to God to die. I said this morning, if we can't be real with each other, then we have a problem. We definitely have a reason to never, ever not be real with God. He already knows. can't fake it. You can't hide it. Just be real. God knows you're mad. God knows you're hurt. God knows you're angry. Just let Him know. Talk to Him. Obedience brings answers to prayer and submission. You know, again, Jesus submitting and saying, You know what, Father? It's your will, whatever your will is. I have a song here that uh, I want to share with you. This is from um, Trust His Heart. Trust His heart. If you've ever heard that song? It says, All things work for our good, though sometimes we don't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just don't see Him, remember, you're never alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. He sees the master plan, and He holds our future in His hand. So don't live as those who have no hope. All our hope is found in Him. We see the present clearly, but He sees the first and the last, and like a tapestry, He's weaving you and me to someday be just like Him. He alone is faithful and true, He alone knows what is best for you. When you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. What a great reminder to us. And Jesus, as He again is about to unveil to the disciples the struggles that are to come, the challenges that are to come, He's preparing them to trust His plan, to trust His heart, to trust and know that God is still God. To abide in Him and to know that whatever they seek and desire, God's always going to be with them. Can't wait. The Holy Spirit is a great time of understanding all that we have in the Holy Spirit that God has promised us. Great journey ahead. 
The ending is sure because Jesus has gone to prepare a place. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. The relationship He desires to have with us through Him, with Christ and God, and of course the power that we have through prayer and the greater works that God wants to do in and through our life each and every day. Father God, I thank you again for these marching orders that Jesus prepared and delivered to His disciples. And we as the modern church, the modern day disciples, I always look at sermons and passages and go, you know, if Jesus was here today, this is exactly what He would say. And if Jesus was here speaking to us today, this is what He would be challenging us with. Even though the generations have changed and uh, the definition of things have changed, it's still, bottom line, the same struggles that we have. Just in different evidences or different demonstrations here. So, Father, I ask today that you would help us to continue to grow and to draw encouragement from your word, to draw encouragement from you here in these chapters as you have challenged your disciples and you're leaving them to carry on. That, Father, we want to see great things every day in our life. We're not just looking for blessings from Sunday to Sunday. We're looking for blessings each day. We're looking for you to use us each and every day. God, help us to be available Help us to be open to you, to allow you to use us. Because God, we want to be in awe of you every single day. What can God do in my life today? Am I living up to God's potential each and every day? I thank you, Father, for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, precious Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your life that you give us more abundantly. The peace that you give us that passes all understanding. Lead us and guide us, Lord. May your will be done this week. Watch over us. Watch those that are traveling. May your will be done in every heart and every life. So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. I got it on here.